Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Aliens in short controlled bursts. My name is John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we are looking at Minute 3, which begins with the Narcissus floating across the screen and ends with the Narcissus docking with a large, mysterious vessel and a big, loud thump. Here we get, directed by James Cameron, we're done with the credits. No need to, we already talked about James Cameron quite a lot, we will again. So let's just move on into the movie. We're actually into movie now. Yay, movie starts. Movie. Thank God. Oh. No, actually, it felt faster. So I'm, I'm it's really It's about glad the same, though, right? I think it I is think about so. the same, but it did yeah. feel faster. You're right. I think that we're going to find, you know, by the end of the week that we're still kind of in the same place as Alien, only some things have been moved up. Uh, again, I think there's some overlapping. There's some uh, layering here as opposed to these individual things. Uh, happening uh slowly like they did in aliens so we're going to move into the narcissist i mean we got it slowly coming across the screen under james cameron's credit and we get a nice we get a nice look at it again i'm still not sure about it um but we dissolve into the interior of the narcissist and here we are in super familiar territory right cameras moving exploring prowling just like the camera from alien we're in a space that we have been in before, although it looks like a burlesque show exploded in there because there's this glitter everywhere, right? Um, which I guess is frozen, frozen air or frozen liquid. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's shiny and it's beautiful and it's you know it's 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 beautiful. Yeah, I, I I don't know a whole lot about chemistry, but would it be somehow the gas that she? <laughs> I don't expelled, about expelled it. when then once the thing closed right. back up. I don't know. I don't know. If that I, makes I, don't, sense. I don't know. But because yeah, it can't be really, it. it can be really. Is it ice? I guess does it get cold inside well, of there? Wouldn't that is, is the is the hyperpod or as the as the hyperspace pod the only thing that is is heated? I, I don't know. But it looks well, great. That, that's the thing, though. We're going to find out here in a couple minutes that there's as much or more ice on the on the cryopod as anything, right? Yeah. So if it's heated, it must be heated on the inside or she'd be dead, right? right. Well, right. it's called a Freezerino. It is, as our friend Joe Dater pointed out, a Freezerino brand freezer unit. So is it warm inside? That's a good question. We haven't... <laughs> this is I one of know. those little speculative things we haven't talked about before, but, but she you must know, be... Her body temperature's low, I'm sure, in there. Yeah. But, What's interesting hmm. is uh, the Alien 2 uh, scriptment treatment Starts out with fade-in space, silent and endless. A tiny chip of technology drifts through the frigid vacuum, the Narcissus, lifeboat of the Nostromo. A shadow passes over, and an enormous black object cuts into the frame above. Searchlights play over the tiny craft. The hole noses down, descends. Interior, Narcissus, dark and dormant as a crypt. A metallic clang echoes through the hull. I just think it's interesting that in these first four, five, six sentences, and we get the the movie exactly mm -hmm. the way we see it. But we do have that really interesting movement of the camera after this dissolve. We even see the familiar space helmet yeah. that we recognize. So it's it's orienting us to that alien world for sure. Now, would you say I mean, here in the first five minutes of the movie? We get a lot of nice long, we get long shots. Like we get the camera moving through this space, showing us this is the narcissist. This is what you've seen before. Uh, here in a couple of minutes, we're going to get some like one shot, some light, nice continuous movement of the camera. 
is that indicative of James Cameron typically, or is he evoking a little Ridley Scott here? Well, his camera moves a lot, but he clearly is evoking Ridley Scott here. And, yeah. and we're going to see that in a minute that this is this, the, you know, the air is filled with particulate matter with smoke, just mm-hmm. like typically Ridley Scott. So he's definitely acclimating us to this reality. Right. And it's selling a gag, which is the gag is that it doesn't look like any time really has passed. Yes, there's this glittery stuff. But in general, look, there's Ripley. She looks just like she le- it was when we left her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's, it feels like we have picked up right after the ending of the movie, which I, I think is a wonderful little trick that he plays on us. So you like this reveal of Ripley where it's just kind of an indifferent reveal. It's like, here's the ship. Here's Ripley. Where I kind of wonder here in a couple minutes if it would have been more fun, more of a reveal when our mysterious friend that's going to enter wipes the ice off the front, if that was our reveal of Ripley. I mean, we know it's going to be Ripley, of yeah. course, but would have been a nicer moment, more of a um, cue to the audience that, okay, here's your hero to do it then. I'm not saying that it's better then or here. It could be better here. This could be one of those instances where he's still living in Ridley Scott world or alien world where... Hey, remember, she was uh, she's just a crew member, right? She's not a big action hero yet. So we're going to just show her. Here she is asleep. That's the last place you saw her. Remember from Alien. Where I think if he would have held off and had this, like, it would be kind of Spielbergian maybe. Yeah. If there was a music cue and he wiped that ice off and here's Ripley. Yeah. I think we we would have gone, this this is an action movie kind of thing to do. This is a hero moment. We might have also thought more need. time has passed. I don't know. Like showing her kind of in the same position that we saw her at the end of the movie, kind yeah. of all stretched out like Sleeping Beauty in the uh, in the well, yeah. in the case. Uh, I don't know. I wondered if there was if doubt of her being alive, even though we know she is. If if there was even just a tease that maybe this was way in the future, uh, maybe she's not okay because we do get the expositional lines from the guy later. Man, we're jumping way ahead. I keep doing that, saying that she's alive, making sure we know. So I kind of wondered if, um, you know, well, maybe that's the moment that everything should come into light. But I see, I, I think that this is good. I, I, I have no problem with this. I'm just kind of raising questions. It, it just occurred to me for the first time ever watching this movie um, that that might be a different choice they could have made. We do get that close-up of her, though. Yeah. We get a long shot of her. Then we move to this closer shot. And it is there across the glass covering her face that the lights start to come on. Right. So, again, a a very direct reference to the the helmets talking to each other at the beginning of Alien yeah. as this ship is starting to come to life. And we're like, oh, we've seen ships come to life before in the other movie, if yeah. we've seen the other movie. In the sounds. If, if not, we get our own new version of it. I mean, for us, those of us who, let's say, had not ever seen Alien, you're getting that experience, well, you know. That's something I was going to bring up. You know, we discussed in the first episode in minute one that when I saw this, I hadn't seen Alien when you're making a sequel, but you want the sequel to be a big, you know, blockbuster success, you're not necessarily making it just for the people that saw the original movie, right? Like famously, we might have mentioned even before uh, when Nicholas Meyer went to make Wrath of Khan, he was mindful that either nobody, people watching the movie had never seen Star Trek at all, or um, since not as many people as they hoped went to see Star Trek the motion picture, he had to think about that. He wanted they wanted to get a bigger audience than they got with the first movie, and you know, he always says that it was, he opened the movie the way he did because of his dad. That his dad knew who Spock was and everything, but he didn't know anything about Star Trek. So that's why it's the twenty third century as opposed to a star date. That's why you get Spock's ear as the first shot of the movie. 
are there moments here in the opening of Aliens where you think James Cameron's thinking, I either want to do something to inform people that have never seen Alien, or I want to do something to entice people into watching this movie who never saw Alien to see, like, this is a movie I want to see. And one of the things that I think that he does in this particular minute, jumping kind of to the end of the minute, but there's more to talk about than that, is this lifting up of the narcissist to this mysterious ship really to me calls back to star Wars. We get the, the blockade runner being tractor beamed into the star destroyer at the beginning. I think we're having a, to me, it reminds me a little bit of that moment. It at least tells me, okay, if you've never seen alien, you surely have seen star Wars here. Look, this is a science fiction, you know, just like a basic primer. Like, Hey guys, we were going to be watching a science fiction adventure story. Yes. There are two, like moves. Star Wars. there's two shots, this one and one we'll get to the next minute that are very clearly signaling to the audience that this is a great, big, expensive science fiction gee wow look at all that stuff kind of Mm -hmm. experience um the good news is that in terms of the exposition that has to be gotten out for those people who haven't seen the movie it's completely logical because ripley is going to have to be reoriented herself and she's going to have to explain where she's been and she's going to have to explain what has happened to people who don't know and so it's really great because all the exposition is really forced out of the situation in such a way that it doesn't feel like we're getting anything spoon-fed to us. I want to know what happened. I'm mm-hmm. just like her. Where have I been? What has happened while I've been gone? Um, but yeah, we're jumping a little ahead of ourselves. I do want to say that that really cool shot of the Narcissus being engulfed by the larger ship is um, teed up with this screen saying proximity alert. Mm-hmm. You know, in a in an alien-esque text, in an Astromo-esque text, it looks again like we're back in that in that reality. Those are what the screens looked like then. Um, and so that helps us move toward that, which I think is really, really wonderful. Yeah. Um, and then we get an we get a second special effects shot inside the Narcissus through the windows, watching our watching us being engulfed by this larger ship, which I also think is really great. It it sells. It just sells the whole thing, and right. it gives a sense of wonder and scale to the movie right off the bat. That I don't know whether you get that quite the same way in in Alien, because you've got that one shot of the Nostromo, the commercial towing vessel, but it's such a strange shape that you don't have any real sense of scale, and then you're immediately thrust into the cramped interiors, and the agenda of claustrophobia inducement starts. Where this is very different. It's not yeah. about that at all. It's it's. It's much more of a fantasy film almost at this point, or a science fiction fantasy film at this point. Well, see, if I'm going to do a side-by-side of our reveals here, if I'm comparing the reveal of this ship, that salvaged vessel that picks up the Narcissus with the Nostromo, so we're getting this introduction sort of of scale, like you're saying. Here's our two different movies, right? Nostromo, the Nostromo in its refinery is a factory. It's a workplace. It's, you know, an office, you know, workplace. It's small in the frame, relatively speaking. When we see it the first time, it's in the frame. Space is bigger right. around it. This one fills the frame. It's telling us just like the Star Destroyer going over our head in Star Wars. It's telling us to be awed a little bit. This is right. something – and it's a hint at the fact that she's a little further into the future too. I think that we can imagine that this ship is bigger and probably something she's never seen before. So, yes, Shinier. here he is. Here <laughs> it's he is. all shiny. I love yeah, how shiny, shiny it it's, is. So it's not the Nostromo, and we're specifically getting being told this is not the Nostromo. Also, we're not making a movie about how insignificant and small people are in the vastness of space. We're making a big action adventure movie. It's not a workplace 
horror film, it's going to be, you're supposed to be awed by things in this movie. Exhilarated, awed. Those are the key words for this movie. We're getting it subtly though. And that's what I like. You know, you might, there's going to be a lot of times where we don't, we talk about the lack of subtlety in this film, but I think he's being very shrewd at the beginning of this film. He's saying, look, I've got an idea. I'm going to make this big movie, but I'm not over anxious to get you there. I'm going to make sure that you're comfortable. I'm going to bring you in. This shot's a short one. You might not really register to you that it's that different from something you might've seen in alien, but in hindsight, it is, it's different. And, and I love it. I think it's great. It's, it, it telegraphs what we're going to see again. Again, he's orient, he's keeping us oriented in the old movie while slowly orienting us to his movie. So I think there's a lot of that going on here early on. It's good filmmaking. And he gives us a big, loud crunch at the end of the minute, which is a nice, it's jolt number one. But well, how is that different from Alien as well? When we get the sleeve pulled away, we talked about this with yeah. the sound design of Alien. When we get the sleeve pulled away from the narcissist and Alien, we get nothing. Yeah. It's just a soft, yeah. which is real. Here we get, because that's what this movie is going to be. Yeah, exactly. That's what the score is going to be. That's what the editing is going to be. You know, that's so, he's doing a good job of bringing us in. You know, I actually don't have anything else for this minute. I don't either. Okay. There's so much more to say about the interior of the narcissist and, and some other things that we can just move on to the rest of the minutes for the week. So, um, yeah. So if you want to find us on the on the internet, you can find us at AlienMinute.com. Uh, subscribe to us, of course, on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your other podcatcher choices. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook at our listeners page and chime in on what you think uh, about what we're talking about. Anything else alien-related or, I don't care, Star Wars-related if you want. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Alien Minute Pod or on Instagram at Alien Minute Podcast. Okay, well, that's going to do it for minute number three. We'll see you tomorrow for minute four. And Jones. Jones? <laughs>